Paper. Paper! Here. Pen. Pen! Pen now! There you go! A pen that works for God's sake! Better release the clowns. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Release the Clowns sketch comedy podcast. Um, I'm Nick Hildred and as you're probably aware we've run out of sketches. So new sketches because of, uh, what is it, uh, some sort of pandemic. So today... We're uh, going to be talking to... Blame the pandemic. I will, yes. Now, that is one of our writers, Mr Simon Nittlefield. Hello, Simon. Hello, Nick. How are you today? (laughs) Very well, thank you. Excellent. So, what we're going to do, uh, we've got Simon to choose some of his favourite sketches that he's had on Release the Clowns, and we're going to have a chat about them. And that show opening was the one you chose. Tell us about it. Well, it's kind of all there in the sketch. It's about someone who has a brilliant idea for a sketch, uh, but can't find something to write it down on, on or in, and loses the idea for the sketch. And that's the explanation for the sketch. That's a very good explanation for a sketch, but also it, it's something a lot of writers will recognise. Yeah, definitely. Anyone yeah. who's ever been creative... Yes. Oh, yeah. It's born out of uh, many, many years of uh, writing experience. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think uh, Coleridge might have written this. I don't think he would. Probably more poetically. Wordsworth, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, Coleridge is the one who famously got interrupted whilst writing Xanadu. Oh, true. Now you've made me look stupid. Yeah, I have. Thank you. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be here. The fu- now, the funny thing is here, folks, uh, is that actually Simon is one of the best-read people I've ever met. So, uh, I am? Yeah. I-, I only know Alex Marion, really, so, you know, what can you do? That's true. You don't have a lot of friends. Thanks for pointing that out. That's very kind. Um, Marvellous. So, um, Simon... For those of you who don't know, uh, and why would you, um, is a very uh, experienced radio writer. Um, used to be a stalwart on BBC Radio 4's News Quiz for how many years? Ten? Seventeen. You're, you're shitting me. No, seventeen. Seventeen years? Yeah, 1999 to 2016. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. I always wanted to write News Quiz, they've never let me do it. <laughs> As soon as I managed to get Brexit in with my satire, that was it. I quit 2016. Yep. I think, well, they say satire changes nothing, but it's good to see that you've you've achieved your goal. (laughs) Oh, my God. Britain out of the EU. Job done. I need never satirise again. (laughs) So, also, you've written various radio plays for Radio 4 as well, haven't you? Uh, Yeah, a few things. Yeah, I wrote a play about James Joyce and his brother which was a comedy drama, of course. Of course. Uh, 
and I adapted a couple of books for Radio 4. One was The Rutter's Club by Jonathan Coe. Oh, yes. Which was uh, really good fun to work on. Lovely. So, yeah, so so you've got a lot of uh, radio writing experience and hopefully during the course of this show we will tease out some of some of that knowledge to share um, amongst the, the, the listening audience. Um, You'll never make me talk, Copper. <laughs> That's a good start to a talk show, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might start my own podcast series of interviews called You'll Never Make Me Talk, Copper. <laughs> Right, uh, right. Okay, let us listen to your first uh, full sketch. Yeah. Um, and this is quite apt because this was in the very first episode of Release the Clowns. Um, it was, I think, sketch number two. Right. Uh, so um, here it is, and you can talk us through it afterwards. And now the YouTube sensation that's even more popular and miserable than its BBC One original. Cat Enders. Meow 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 meow. Meow 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 meow. Meow Terry's. Release the clowns? Okay, so, um, <laughs> Marcel Proust. <laughs> Has it been a while since you last heard that? I think, yes, I haven't heard that since you made it. Ah, <laughs> uh, the joy um, of, of that. So, that was Cat Enders. Uh, <laughs> I challenge you to say anything sensible about the writing or performance of that sketch. There's absolutely nothing to say about it. It's EastEnders with cats instead of people. That was the whole idea. That was it. It was a complete idea in a moment. It's just, hmm, why don't they do EastEnders with cats? And you, <laughs> you, the only person I know who would run with it. Oh, we ran with it all right. Because we got a Christmas special out of it as well. That's right. Yeah, I'd forgotten that I'd written a Christmas special as well. The, that the was cats. joyous. I mean, I've got to say, the, the, uh, it's a shame you didn't come to the recording because it was it was so so much fun yeah. doing the just the cats. Because um, what we covered in the last episode was uh, it's nice to it get loads of people into the studio. Yeah. And we must have had oh, at least eight people in there uh, doing the cat noises. 
Um, I can't remember what was in the script. Did I actually write words, or was it just cat noises? No, it was meowty meow meow. No, you actually wrote exactly what you wanted. <laughs> Very specific. Oh. My favourite bit is 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 the meowty meow meow Terry. <laughs> <laughs> cats though they've been to drama school yes yes uh, in fact um two of them have not only been to drama school but they are trained clowns uh, yes did go the Goliot course so yeah i mean there's a lot of talent in that cat chorus definitely definitely um so i mean i've got to say the, the cat enders is in many ways the beating ridiculous heart of release the clowns it is to me it is it uh Whenever I'm describing the show to people, Cat Enders will be one of the sketches I cite. Oh, cool. Well, that's great to know. Yeah, um, I wish I'd written more sketches that were as simple and as stupid as Cat Enders. Well, I think that's the joy of it. It is, it is that one idea, and then it's just, boom, in your face, yeah. stupidity. Well, sometimes the best ideas are like that, though. They are just very, very simple and... Uh, they're a joy when they turn up. Yeah. Well, it's very nice that, that you're able to turn that up and, and bung it into us, especially on show one, because it, it sets up, it sort of sets up the entire yeah. sort of idea of the show is that you're not going to get anything particularly sensible out of this program. So abandon. So I should maybe get a bigger credit on the show. Is that what you're saying? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, me, yeah, me. What, you're sending them round? Today, <laughs> they're on their way, Nick. They're oh, on their way. oh, we all know. Oh, jeez. So, okay. So, that's that's your silly side. I think we've covered that. Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't bear that much analysis, really. Cat Enders. It's just, it's just a wonderfully silly sketch. Yeah, but now we come to a sketch that that I think will will take a lot of uh, uh, intellectual focus. Um, Excellent. This is what we're here for. The real heavyweight conversation. Yes. Here it comes. Poem read in a northern voice. A working class voice. Coal, not dole. Tin bath before. Dinner at lunchtime. Whatever the frig that is. Poem read by a man who clearly never grew up in a Mining, village, but wore a donkey jacket to his interview at Rada. Bloody lardy dada, bloody Thatcher, a man who is clearly Jeremy. Irons doing a voice, me whippets got worms. I love that bleeding dog. Uh, release the clowns. So that was uh, poem two. What was poem one? Well, <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Well, okay. In answer to the question, um, here's poem one. Poem, read in the special voice. You know, the one where you talk slowly and. In a fruity whisper and in an 
accent no one has ever used in real life ever and with all the stress as in the wrong place breaking sen tense as at ran dom but still there is love oh, release the clowns <laughs> uh yeah so so that was poem one um yeah um i think i'd been listening to poetry please or something like that on radio four and was struck by the fact that there is a special style of delivery a special voice that people use to read poetry on radio four well maybe not just radio four uh almost as if you could just read anything if you say it in the right voice uh slightly yes. slowly with very strong emphasis and the occasional strange word break line break <laughs> fuck <laughs> fuck you fuck you radio four <laughs> <laughs> So is that the um, title of your new pod, pod, podcast? <laughs> Fuck you, is, Radio 4. Yeah, yeah there's... Um, <laughs> and relax. Uh, yeah, and I was... Str- He's <laughs> <laughs> gone. <laughs> so, yes, all right. So I was just taking a pop at Radio 4. Nice. Basically, and... Uh, specifically their treatment of poetry. So I'd written that one, which is about the special voice. And then I heard Jeremy Irons reading a poem. I think it was a Tony Harrison poem. And so he did it in a northern voice, but it was clearly Jeremy Irons. Um, And it just sounded so stupid. (laughs) Uh, His accent was so affected it just it sounded comic so I basically just rewrote that you know slightly changed the <coughs> the words obviously yeah that's um, handy no that's a lie I didn't rip off Tony Harrison didn't um, you oh my god you're gonna have to cut this bit out as well I'm not responsible for Brexit I didn't rip off Tony Harrison <laughs> I love Radio 4 um <laughs> No, I just thought that this is silly, Jeremy Irons pretending to be Northern, and so I wrote a poem about someone like Jeremy Irons pretending to be Northern. (laughs) That's it. Uh, It bears slightly more analysis than Cat Enders, that's true. Yeah, I told you it would. So so what you're saying is Alex Marion, who read that, is slightly, is as sham Northern northern as Jeremy Irons. He's as good an actor as Jeremy Irons. I'm not saying he's as good an actor as Jeremy Irons. Let's not fill Alex's head with ideas. No, that's a very good no, good point, yeah. It's the last thing we but, did. But yes, I mean, essentially, he is the Jeremy Irons of uh, Release the Clowns. Wow. There, there's a thought. I'll have to tip my hat to him next time I see him. And you, of course, Nick, you are the... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking so long to think. <laughs> but you are, Nick. You really are. And everyone says so. 
<laughs> the pot. Thanks, thanks. Uh, I, I, that rings true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was very pleased with the way that um, it was performed and produced. Thank you. Well, Amy Holmes was the um, poem one voice, the right. rich, fruity whisper. Yeah, no, and, that's very good. And as I say, Alex was the uh, Jeremy Irons. I know, the, the, the great thing from my point of view um, is those are sketches that we can actually more or less finish off in the studio. So when I yeah. come to edit the show, it's not like I'm having to do hours of work to bung in the sound effects. Unlike, funnily enough, the intro about paper, which also was Amy and Alex. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, that had a lot of effects in it. Well, because that one is, is a very short sketch on paper. It took, us, it took us about ten minutes in the studio to record, and right. I think I spent about five hours editing it. You know. I'm so sorry. You bastard. No, I mean, it was five fun hours. I mean, you know, it's picking picking which stupid sound effects should go where and all that kind of thing. But, um, yeah. you know, so it's, they're joyful hours. But uh, those two poems were very nice from my point of view. So thank you very much. That made life easy. Um, OK, so now we're going to listen to um, Strand of sketches that you created for us. Yeah. Um, we're going to have two in this show. And they're the Christmas episodes. So sorry yeah. if you're listening to this in the middle of the summer, which you should be because it's the middle of the summer. Um, okay, well, let's let's have a listen and talk about it afterwards. Sure. And now on Radio Old, Loco Parentis, a Christmas tortoise with dim toweling. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Tis the season to be columnly. The tortoise seems to mumble in his deep wintry sleep. Christmas, the season of friends, family and feasts, and Christmas columns? But what to write about this year? A Brexit Christmas? No, no one cares about Brexit. I stare out of my luxury garden writing shed, designed and built by my great celeb chum Nick Knowles and his mates in the building trade. I see the squirrel that stole my wife's organic hemp plant mocking me, as if I had nothing to write about but tortoises and squirrels and how much my wife doesn't like me. A North London writer's Christmas. No, I did that last year, which really upset all my North London writer friends who did the same for most of the year. I couldn't find anyone to play celebrity Quidditch with, the tortoise sighs in his sleep as if to say, I am the ghost of Christmas past. Christmas is past. I reach for a glass of the Russian eggnog Nick Knowles gave me 12 years ago and wonder what Caitlin Moran will be writing about this year. She knows my wife, but I am yet to be invited to one of her badminton soirees. She must know I write columns too. A satirical look at North London columnists? No one would be interested. I take another sip of the Putin's eggnog. I feel all warm and fuzzy. Feeling all warm and fuzzy? Then I remember that Mariella Frostrup has 2,000 words in the Christmas Radio Times about her Christmas menopause. 
Salmon Rusty has 3,000 words in the oldie about the John Lewis Elton John Christmas ad. And Nick Hornby has a Christmas book out, which is a collection of his Christmas columns in The New Yorker about Christmas in the books of Ann Tyler. The tortoise breaks wind gently in his hibernation, as if to say, I am the ghost of Christmas present. Christmas presents. That's pretty Christmassy. But I don't even know what to get my wife. Does Tiffany make a squirrel trap? I take a long lunch as the squirrel urinates against the living room window. No, focus dim. My public will want to read my take on the holidays. That's it. An American in London for Christmas. And then I remember that Stanley Tucci has a double-page spread about that in The Little Magazine. My wife likes Stanley Tucci. Nick Knowles plays basketball with him. Hey! Oh, release the clowns! <laughs> so... Um, that was good, wasn't it? You can say so myself. That was good. I mean, Casper's brilliant in it. He is. He's he's uh, he made that role his own. Yeah, yeah. He just got it perfectly. Yeah, he had to. Uh, he did fight off a couple of people for that. Um, oh, did he? Yeah, a couple of people what, physically hospitalised. Phil Nice might never walk again. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Casper. Uh, well, as as said in the last show, is is a top guy. So. Yeah. Now you let, let's not beat about the bush up here. You yeah. are a writer who lives in, lives in North London. North <laughs> London. So they say write about what you know. Well, I mean this, you know, like the the last two sketches that we were talking about, the poems, poem one and poem two. This is another uh, straight up parody, but this was. A lot more fun to write, and I think something which had been brewing angrily in me for a number of years, as I was reading uh, a certain columnist every weekend, uh, <laughs> wondering how he got away with it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think I've disguised his identity. I don't think you can guess it from the character name. I'd be very surprised if anyone would be able to guess yeah. guess it from yeah. the character name. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone will know that it's Tim Dowling. Oh, it's Tim Dowling. Even I didn't know that. Wow, that's wow. incredible. Now you've said it out loud. I suppose there are a lot of similarities. I mean, he's American. He's a columnist. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get on with his wife. <clears throat> um, How weird. That it's. I guess that's just one of those things in the ether. The weirdest thing about creating that strand of uh, columns was <clears throat> when I introduced the tortoise. I can't remember if the tortoise was in the first ever episode. I can't remember either. That's bad. But once, me. about two months after I'd written the sketch where he has a tortoise who thinks he's a wanker. Yes. I think the tortoise even says that at one point. He does. He mouths it. Um, yes, it is in the very first one. That's right, yeah, tortoise mouths the words wanker. Um, it's not Tim Dowling. It's not. <laughs> if there are any lawyers listening. Um, yeah, about two months after I wrote that, he wrote a column about his tortoise. 
Oh. And that was that was the craziest thing that life imitates art. It did, and I can't imagine uh, how that happened. Uh, well, I can. Obviously, you've been listening to Release the Clowns. He's a, he's a big fan. Yeah, I'd so I've heard. All his lawyers are. Yes. <laughs> well, I think I think uh, uh, Release the Clowns has a major listenership among the literati of North London. Yeah. I think what's um, interesting, though, it, it, yeah. it, is that is that you can't stop being satirical, even in a ridiculously stupid show like this. <laughs> who, me, personally? Yeah, you. Because, in, in a sense, so. all of your sketches so far are kind of satirical. Yeah, I mean, Cat Enders... I mean, you Go could ahead. look at it satirically, but I don't think that was my intention. It was literally just this is a ridiculous idea. Yeah, yeah. Or the kind of thing that I would think would look good on television, just EastEnders being done by cats. Mm. Um, that's all you need to know. Uh, but yeah, I suppose the poems were satirical. This is satirical. Uh, but it's, it's always been a great uh, pleasure to write. and to I think because there's so much character and backstory and the relationship between him and his wife and his sons... Yes. he's an idiot as well and uh, just his various showbiz and literati chums uh, his incessant name dropping uh, yes. his endless search for something to write his column about until he just goes round and round in circles and ends up writing a column about writing a column about writing a column um, and the tortoise who <laughs> is one of my favourite creations I think yes you see the tortoise uh, does does make it in fact I think the line from the very first one, even the tortoise mouths wank. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I did start writing a lockdown Loco Brentis as well, but I don't know why I never finished that. I think because I started writing other stuff instead. But I'll save it for the second wave. When we're locked down again, that's I'll, uh, brilliant. I'll wheel it out. That would be lovely. Thank you. Um Okay, well, we we at least we've got that to look forward to during the next phase of lockdown. Yeah. Phew. There are some positives. It, that's a big positive as far as I'm concerned. And now we're going to listen to a slight change of pace, because this one won't be a monologue, or yeah. people just meowing. Uh, and we're going to hear um, the way in which you deal with human-to-human dialogue. Right. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Warily. Yeah. So let's play the tape. Beware the mists of Drake, but in the midst of these mists, the true seeker will find the keeper of the rhyme of unreason who guards the key of destiny. Yes, but... But only on a night when the moon of Ipsidia is pink with the dew of elvish tears. Right. No, left! Left at the pass of Oridon, where Oridon and his forefathers and his forefathers' forefathers fought so valiantly to defeat the massed armies of... (laughs) The massed armies of... <laughs> no! I had something in my throat. Valiantly defeat the massed armies of Try a strepsil. No, for that is the evil one's name. Oh, my bad. So. So onward, young friend. Well, I'm 53, but I'll take that. To the halls of. 
And there, there you will discover... Fuck's sake. Mate, mate. Yes, madam? Where are the kidney beans? Uh, next one over. Thank you. Gary to shop floor. Wizard in aisle 20. Release the, um... Oh, oh gosh, what are we, um... Oh, no, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, these, uh, I, 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 it's almost impossible to know where to start asking questions about these sketches. <laughs> You're the interviewer. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was trying to remember where I got the idea, and while I was listening to the sketch, and. Um, it must. I think I went through a phase where I was doing a bad Ian McKellen impression to the cat. We've all done it. Bus- while I was bustling around the house during the day, um, I don't know. I don't. Where does that come from? I mean, it was very entertaining that journey towards the the payoff. <laughs> Wizard in aisle eighteen. I wonder whether we should we should delve into the 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 essence of silly. You know, give so, it a go. So, what makes it? silly partly it's the performances yeah it's a really good performance um what does make it silly oh my god uh, what is silly what is fun what is funny what's comedy i don't know who are you who are you i don't know why anymore. are you on my computer I've, I've infected your computer somehow clearly um i guess well i mean it's recognizable that it's a it's a parody of lord of the rings that kind of thing Pretty yeah early on um, and I guess we hold back the revelation that it's in a supermarket until the end that's the that's the twist yeah um, which I think really gets to the heart of the human condition you know, you're talking about me writing human to human dialogue I think I really really do have something to say in this sketch yes uh, that if you want to find the kidney beans don't ask a wizard yes I think I think that's a takeaway everyone can yeah. Take, take away from from this sketch is never ask a wizard where the kidney beans are. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a valuable life lesson. So, what do you think makes a good silly sketch? Um, normally, it's stuff you write. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, checks in the post. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I don't know, actually. I mean, I sometimes uh, uh, sort of beat myself up about whether I'm being silly enough in summer sketches. Yeah, you know, um, because part of release the clowns is is for me uh, that striving for silliness. Yeah, you know, finding the the idiocy in in everyday life. But yeah, I don't have an answer. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, it sounds really like a dull answer because it is a dull answer. But I, you know, I just with that sketch, I just thought, well, this is funny. This makes me laugh, um, and I enjoyed writing the lines for the wizard. Um, which I must have taken a bit of time with, I think, um, to get the the tone right and the rhythm right. But just yeah, just the pullback that it's it's in a supermarket and it's just another character just wants some kidney beans. So I just thought that was ridiculously silly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think that's enough. You don't have to have massively high stakes for every sketch. Well, I think I think uh, looking at this, if we're going simply as a pullback to reveal. 
Yeah. What I really love about it is it doesn't seem like a pullback to reveal until the yeah. pullback to reveal. Yeah. Uh, it, it's got enough in it along the way to sustain it as a, a diverting and funny sketch. Yeah. And then it's got that boom. It's a pullback to reveal. He's a wizard in aisle 18. And I, I, I think um, a lot of people do make a mistake when they're doing pullback to reveals where after about two lines, you know what the reveal is going to be. Yeah. And you just... Well, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, but I don't always know where the sketch is going to end up. And that's... And I, I suppose that's the beauty of first drafts is you have an idea and you just run with it and you can just write anything in a first draft. I think it's really liberating. And sometimes you stumble across the the idea or the theme or the ending of it while you're writing it. Um, and then you can work at it. You know, do I tend to do quite a lot of drafts, even of silly stuff, just until the shape's right and you know, I've got exactly the right words that I want in the sketch. But it normally starts with me just writing pretty freely. Yeah, I've got a wizard and he's saying silly things. Uh, where's this going to go? Yeah. Well, I mean, having, I mean, uh, just to let the listeners know, you and I have worked together on and off for 20 plus yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and have. and certainly one of the joys of working with you is your ability, the, the freedom you have in the first draft. Yeah. You don't seem from the outside to be putting huge pressure on yourself to get it right first time. Oh, no, I've, before I put pen to paper, I've got to have a set thing. So that block that a lot of people, a lot of writers do have. Yeah, I mean, some writers work like that and it works for them. You know, I've worked with other writers, Nick, not just yourself. Um, <laughs> no, I know, you're a writer. <laughs> I thought you should know. Thank you. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so it works for some writers that they have to put down on the page exactly what they want first time and they will very meticulously just go over and over the same line <laughs> over and over again while I'm going crazy. Um, but I use the same approach. Uh, in, you know, I've written drama scripts and uh, I have bravely just written the first draft of a play. Uh, wow. Because because uh, the theatre industry is doing so well at the moment <laughs> that I thought what it needs is a 120-page play from me. <laughs> um, and so I've spent some of my precious time <laughs> in lockdown writing this play and I used exactly the same approach. I had a sort of rough idea uh, but I didn't have a story, I didn't have a structure, I didn't really know who most of the characters were, and so I would just put stuff down that I was interested in, and somehow it sort of took on a life of its own, and hmm. five weeks later I'd finished a draft, and it's it's all over the place, but there's something there, I've just started looking over it again, there's something there, and it's the same with a sketch, you know, you just chuck some stuff down, and then you take another look at it and think, Okay, well, that line doesn't work. It's gone off in the wrong direction. Maybe this can happen, or uh, bring some cats into it. You know, foul-mouthed tortoise. Yeah, animals and swearing, basically. That those are two very rich veins. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I agree completely on the. Uh, you know, some sketches I'll be writing, and I'll have a very clear idea of exactly what I want to do, where I want to go. But others, I'll have three three up to three or four games going within the same sketch yeah and you're you're right and go at some point you've just got to go okay i can't have all these different things going at once because it's now a 20 page sketch so you've got to go no no cut cut that game you've got to look at them and go which is the best game actually yeah yeah which one's the most satisfying 
and and then lose the others um, and not allow yourself to be pinged off in other directions necessarily. Yeah, um, but it's just it's just a good uh, way of just trying stuff out. You know, it's uh, it's an experiment the first draft. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking of um, you, you was talking about Paul McCartney with yesterday. Yeah, I was. Yeah, saying the original lyric was scrambled eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those dummy lyrics. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so yeah. But he woke. But I mean, he woke up with a tune in his head, and he was convinced he'd heard it somewhere, and just kept asking people, "What is this song?" And nobody and knew. It turned, it turned out he'd written it in his sleep. Pretty much. There's talent. Yeah, but has he ever written a sketch? With a foul-mouthed tortoise. I don't think he has. And that brings us neatly to the second half of Christmas Loco Parentis. Hooray! Merry Christmas, one and all. And now on Radio Old, Loco Parentis, a Christmas tortoise with dim toweling. Away in a manger, no ideas in my head. North London Christmas peace still eludes me, and Christmas is gone. Is it still the season to be jolly? I decide that it is. The tortoise seems unconvinced. As I crack open my MacBook and summon the muse, the tortoise shifts in his box of straw, like a reptile in a manger. A tortoise nativity? I met the head keeper of London Zoo at Sue Perkins' bridge night. Maybe he'd want a thousand words on a tortoise nativity. And then I remembered that I'd bid five no-trumps and he'd kick the card table over and used a C-word that wasn't Christmas. I need to see how the ordinary woman and man in the street is going about Christmas this year. I hail a cab and head down to Islington. When the cabbie finds out I am a writer, he tells me about the screenplay he's working on. It's an action thriller about terrorists taking over Santa's workshop and holding Christmas to ransom. I tell him it's a good idea. He asks me if I know Vin Diesel. A thousand words on Vin Diesel's Christmas? On Upper Street, ordinary Londoners are going about their ordinary Christmas business, popping into the organic bakery and buying gluten-free vegan mince pies, skipping happily into the ironmongers and buying Jamie Oliver digital toasting forks for their loved ones, or standing, sobbing outside the now-boarded-up Carluccio's. I go into an ordinary North London boozer and order a pint of Pistmas, a Christmas IPA, handcrafted by the son of some 70s rock star, probably Gilbert O'Sullivan, in a funky microbrewery in Tottenham. It's edgy, citrusy, with a hint of something I can't put my finger on, and served in a skull wrapped in tinsel. Christmas drinks. Who do I know at Good Food magazine? And then I remember the last time I tried to write about food, Jay Rayner pulled a knife on me. I skull another pint and slip into a yuletide reverie. The tortoise is wearing a frock coat and rattling his lettuce at me. I am the ghost of Christmas yet to come, he seems to say. And suddenly, we are standing by a tombstone. Christmas deaths. Five hundred words for the co-op funeral's website. Focus, the tortoise seems to say. Etched on the tombstone 
are the dreaded words, Dim Towling's career. Release the clowns! <laughs> and that was the last we heard of Dim Towling. Was that the last one that I wrote? Yep. Well, uh, well I'll definitely uh, have to finish off Lockdown Logo Brentis. Well, you see, th- this does bring us on to one point, which I was going to mention, which was um, uh, you wrote a lot in the first, uh, I think, 20 episodes. Yeah. Uh, and then very selfishly got a nice job and uh, didn't have selfishly. enough time to write any sketches for us. I very selfishly got a job. Um, yeah, that's true. I got a job and uh, was busy. Very busy. But having said that, during that busy time, you gave us the, the Christmas loco parentheses, yeah. which is brilliant. Uh, and uh, what, what I love about that is there's so much in that. It's like you... There is. <clears throat> I was listening back to it, and it's... Um, I mean, that's one of, the, one of the fun things about writing it, is just, uh, just packing it full of stuff. And some of it is inspired by Dim Towling's column. Whoever Dim Towling is, yep. we still don't know. Not sure. Um, we still don't know. Um, some of it's inspired by his or her uh, <laughs> columns. Um, hers? His. Hers. It could be Sue Perkins. Uh, it's not Sue Perkins. But then a lot of the details are either things that I've done because I live in North London and I like vegan mince pies. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've worked for Sue Perkins. And, <laughs> and, uh, did I ever have... Yes, I think we did have a tortoise. I just remembered when I was very young <laughs> there was a tortoise. I've seen a lettuce. Um, oh, we've all seen lettuces. I was actually making a list of things as we were listening to that. And, uh, yeah, I think I'd been on the Corpse Funeral website as well. <laughs> no. uh, I like citrusy beer uh, from microbreweries in Tottenham, oh, which is a real thing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, you know, I've been to Islington um I've spoken to a cabbie. So this is your life. <laughs> this is your it's, life. That's what, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is it's kind of a mashup of things. The original, the original drive to write this was my uh, unbridled fury that uh, dim toweling uh, was getting away with it week after week. Yeah. And, um, is there a better way of phrasing that that doesn't sound so, <laughs> so libelous? Um, that was the initial drive. Uh, and then I guess I just ran with it and just thought, yeah, it is ripe for satire. And even though there are some parallels with my own uh, life, that's no reason not to take the piss out of being a North London writer. Yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, in the first part of the Christmas special, the line about the squirrel pissing against the window. And yes. This life imitating art thing. Why, only yesterday I was in my North London garden working on my ridiculous play uh, and there's a family of foxes who live at the end of the garden and one of the cubs is quite uh, quite friendly and she just came out and sat on the lawn while I was writing and then after about half an hour I looked up and she was sitting 
she was squatting a few feet in front of me and took a massive dump. <laughs> Look at me square in the eye, as if to say, you know the opening of your play? It's shit. <laughs> Everyone's a critic. So, life does imitate art. I write about tortoises. Uh, Dim Towling gets a tortoise in real life. I write about squirrels pissing. A fox <laughs> takes a dump in front of me. Uh, uh, so I'm fully expecting to bump into a wizard at the supermarket next time I go. Speaking of which, well, we, we now have... Um, we, we've come. It's a long and winding road. Um, this is a good segue. Keep going. It's a long and winding road. <laughs> That's brought us to your final sketch. Yes. In this show. I can't say anything about it yet, but I'm sure we can say something about it afterwards. We'll give it a go. Here's the sketch. In a world of Dada, one kitten must stew a rambunctious fuse box with a Mesolithic, or face the terrible platitudes of a furious Hitler's salmon coming to a snowplow near you last Tuesday. That's why mums released the clowns. So, listeners, I have to say that Nick just uh, played me one of his own sketches twice. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> um, and then I played you that one. And then you played me one of my sketches. Uh, yeah, that's possibly one of the stranger sketches. I mean, stranger than Cat Enders. That's going at some. <laughs> Foulmouth tortoises. <laughs> <laughs> Wizards in supermarkets. Um, do you think that works? Does it still work? Well, that sketch. Yeah, yeah. I think I think so. It made me laugh. I know you were looking a bit stony-faced throughout, but you know, yeah, I'm used just, to that from you. Yeah, I like the idea. Oh, is the execution of it not so? Now, now, now. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, that sometimes happens. You write something and you think it's brilliant, and then. Not everything stands the test of time, but I do like the silliness of it. You know, I obviously set out to mock the well-worn trope of the gravelly voiced 40-a-day uh, film trailer guy. Yeah. Uh, which I think is a rite of passage. <laughs> Everyone has to go at that at some point. Has to. Um yeah, I suppose I should be more positive about my own work. Well, <laughs> I know. I think I think that's this is a... a great sketch to end on. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah meh. It's my top five, but yeah. it's all right. <laughs> I love it. You, you've meh met your own sketch. No, yeah. I've got I've got plenty of sketches on the show where I look at them and go, oh, yeah, maybe I should have done this, or maybe it was one beat too long, or. Yeah, that's um, true. That is true. Uh, um, yeah, I think if I had another chance to do it, I would make it slightly easier to understand the concept. I mean, it's not a tremendously difficult concept. And I think I try and flag that up at the beginning with use, by using the word Dada. Well, I thought it was really uh, obvious. If you know Dada, then, yeah, then yeah. you're fine, you know. 
well, I mean, personally, that that from my point of view, uh, that made me laugh all the way through reading that sketch. Um, well, that's good because you don't always know what's going to make people laugh, and it's such a subjective thing. I mean, loads of shows that I've worked on, you don't know what jokes or sketches people are going to go with, and sometimes they choose the thing that you like the least. Uh, you know, and that's happened when I pitched ideas for sitcoms or or dramas. You send people a list of your ideas, and sometimes the thing you've stuck on the bottom of a page just to fill out the page is the one that they pick, and you think, oh, shit, <laughs> now I have to write that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's funny how often that happens, though. Yeah, I mean, that's happened a lot, and shows like the News Quiz where jokes that you would stick on at the end that you weren't too sure about uh, they would get picked and sometimes they would be the biggest laugh in the room during the recording so you you aren't always the best judge of your own work so I should be more positive and upbeat and I'm available for work and I'm a really good writer (laughs) (laughs) so this is the end of the show yeah. <laughs> this is how it ends, in a shambles. In a shambles of... Shambles of self-deprecation. Self-doubt. But hey, I really love that sketch. I still love that sketch. Um, well, good. I'm... I mean, and it's ultimately, it's yours and Alex's decision, what goes out in the show. <laughs> he said shifting blame to other people. No, I'm not shifting blame. I'm just seconding your point that uh, you aren't always the best judge of your own work. Yeah, true. Uh, A good example of that is when I was working on the news quiz a few years ago and uh, I had to write about uh, David Cameron cutting child benefit. Oh, yeah. And I read the story on the tube on the way in and uh, I was so angry that I just wrote a very quick joke across the top of the newspaper and... I didn't even think it was funny. I just thought it was a very angry remark and <clears throat> I was very undecided about it, but I stuck it on the end of a couple of pages of jokes that I'd written for Sandy Toxvig's uh, script and not expecting it to get anywhere. And she put it in the script for the show, which I was really surprised. And then she chucked it in during the conversation about the story and uh, got a massive laugh and got her a week of grief uh, from the national newspapers. Of course. And uh, the Mail on Sunday was so incensed that they actually reprinted it on their front page so a lot more people could enjoy it. Oh, well done. I suppose I should tell you what the joke is. That'd be nice. Uh you know, it wasn't even a joke, it's just like a thought. I just thought, ah, the Tories putting the N into cuts. And that was it. It wasn't the best joke that I have ever written by far. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the most worked joke at all. It was just something that I scribbled in seconds. Yeah. And that's what makes us heroes, Nick. That, that's what makes you a hero, Simon. <laughs> and Hey, but you too, mate. No, I've never, I've never been allowed to work on the news quiz. Oh. They've, they've never let me do it. I've always, I offer, but they go, no, Nick, not you. <laughs> that, Nick, was nothing to do with me. It's funny how those 17 years, actually, the, the yeah. ones you described, were the ones where I really, even when I hadn't 
applied. They just send me letters saying, don't, don't think about applying. It's a weird coincidence, isn't it? Very strange, very strange. I can't think how that would have happened. I mean, yeah. that was probably something to do with George Poles or Lucy Clark. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> Not you. No, no. <laughs> okay. I think that's a great place to end this conversation. Yeah, I think I think so. I, I've now come to a dreadful conclusion that rather than being one of my great friends, you're, you've secretly been an enemy. <laughs> a viper in my bosom. Well, this is a terrific twist for the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to deny it, but um have to go. Okay, well, I, thank you very much for talking to us today. No, it's been my pleasure. Yeah, it certainly hasn't been ours. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it's been wonderful being able to talk to you, if only remotely. Um, have fun. All right, you too. See ya. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Release the Clown starred Casper Michaels, Amy Holmes, Phil Nice, Karen Morden, Alex Marion, Phil Whelans, Nick Hildred, Martin Hyder, Lenny Pickredafnis, Marco Chu and Verity Softly. It was written by that bloke off the news quiz, Simon Littlefield. The social media main man is Dan Willis and the little elves cobbling it all together are Nick Hildred and Alex Marion. Are you a North London writer who struggles to find material for your newspaper column each week? Have you been affected by any of the issues raised in this programme? If so, write to Simon Littlefield now, and he will do his utmost to help address all correspondence to Simon Aloysius Montmorency Littlefield, The Glebe, Rectory Gardens, Hampstead, London. All letters received in the strictest confidence. See you in two!